Hi there, friend. Welcome to Creative Rising, a podcast about what it's really like to run a photography business. This has been such an incredible journey with you guys. Season one is shaping up to be an amazing season, and I just cannot thank you enough for tuning in. And today on the podcast, we have our very first guest interview, and I couldn't think of a better person to have on the show than my wonderful friend and insanely talented businesswoman, Shay Cochran. Shay is a wife, she's a mom, and she is a product stylist slash commercial photographer in Tampa, Florida. And Shay is the talent and the brains behind the SC Stock Shop and Social Squares. So you know all of those really beautiful lay flat images that you see on Instagram and you see on retail ads? They're these gorgeous desktops with like pencils and flowers and they're just really, really beautiful and perfect. Well, Shay is the one behind that entire look. She basically inadvertently launched that entire industry when she decided to listen to her heart, stop shooting weddings, and start photographing gorgeous styled stock. So you are going to love hearing her story of how she completely changed up her business and followed her gut to pursue something entirely different. The other thing that I love about Shay is that while you may look at her work and think, oh my goodness, this girl does it all, she has it all, and she must work all the time, well, Shay actually only works 16 hours a week, and that's so that she can focus on raising her beautiful daughters and being a wife to her husband and being a friend and living her life. And we talk a lot about that in the interview. What does it look like to run a successful business in only two days a week? We talk about fear, we talk about overwork, we talk about struggling with being a mom and being a business owner at the same time, and we also talk about that elusive buzzword, balance. Is that even possible? So I am so excited for you to hear Shay's heart in this interview, so let's jump right in. Here is Shay Cochran of the SC Stock Shop. Shay, welcome to Creative Rising. I am so excited to have you here, and I'm really honored that you've agreed to spend some time to share your wisdom with our listeners. Welcome. Oh my gosh, I'm the one who's honored. I feel really, I feel like getting selected to be in these like initial podcast interviews is just, that's a big deal. I really appreciate you even thinking of me. Oh, thanks. You are our first guest interview for Creative Rising, like ever, of all time. So you win. I win. I will send you a medal. (laughs) Thank you. So I want to hear a little bit about your story, especially for those listeners who are not familiar with you. And you actually started as a wedding photographer and you did that for many years before you made a dramatic shift. You took this left turn into doing commercial photography and becoming a product stylist. And so that is what you do now exclusively. So tell me a little bit about that journey. And what I really want to hear about is that moment that you decided to make that major shift. What happened? Mm. You know, a lot happened and it was a a pretty drawn out moment, I suppose. You are right. I started my business in photography doing wedding and portrait work. And I started that business right out of college. I, you know, figured out in college that I wanted to do photography. And I think for most photographers, wedding and portrait photography seems to be the only way to make money in photography. So I headed in that direction because that was just the direction that I thought everyone goes in. So and I really did enjoy it at the time. So I began building a business in wedding and portrait photography. 
And that can, that work continued for almost eight years into marriage and then into eventually motherhood, the early years of motherhood, I was still doing portrait and wedding photography. And I think a few things happened that sort of began that shift for me in my heart and in my mind. One of those things was that we moved to another state. So I was starting a brand new business that I didn't have the luxury of referrals or anything like that. At the same time that we moved, I was also seven or eight months pregnant. So I was getting ready to have our first daughter. So this is a long time ago. She's nine now. But I was getting ready to have our first daughter. So I'm tired. I'm pregnant. We now live in hot Florida in the summertime. I was still doing weddings when I first, during her first year of life. So then I'm balancing Before you have kids, you can go shoot a wedding and come home at midnight or one o'clock in the morning and just sleep it off the next day. But when you come home and you're nursing, you come home and you're still having to wake up at six or seven o'clock in the morning, if not at three o'clock, five o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning. Oh, hundred percent. I am right there, right there, right now. It's very hard. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. exhausting mentally exhausting, emotionally exhausting on so many levels. So I, it was during that whole year of transition into motherhood that I was like, you know, even just physically, this, this is really hard. It's gotten substantially harder and I'm not loving it. And that kind of leads me into the, the heart element, which was I moved to Florida where the wedding industry, wedding photography industry is very big here. And there were so many wonderful, talented wedding photographers around me. And I'm thinking, literally, I'm thinking to myself, you know, they should just hire them because their heart is in it. And I knew at that point that my heart really wasn't in it. So when I was trying to convince my clients that I really cared about their wedding colors and their venue selection and all of that kind of thing. I knew deep down inside that I I had kind of emotionally moved on from really being who they were hiring me to be. And, And that's fair. That's not their fault. So I knew that a change needed to happen before I knew what that change would be. And that was really the tricky part is here I've got eight years of photography experience. I've got a business that was doing well. It was doing what I hoped that it would do. So it was successful by my standards at that time. And I had all this equipment and I had, you know, just a business that was fully built. And I really didn't know what was next. And I I didn't know if I would even continue with photography. So somewhere in there, somehow the idea was planted about product photography. And the only memory, the only like moment I can really hone in on is that one time I was... (laughs) Uh, standing in line at Home Goods. Do you guys have Home Goods out on the West Coast? Oh, 100%. It's a magical, magical place. Okay. So, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, magical Home Goods. So I'm standing at the checkout counter of Home Goods, and behind the cashier are these pictures of products, and they're really fun and colorful and lots of layers and textures. And the funny thing is, I think, you know, I've been doing this like five or six years now. I think those same pictures are still there. So I'm like, please, for the love, just hire me (laughs) to redo those pictures. But I'm looking up at these pictures and I'm thinking, somebody had to take that. It was like that occurred to me for the first time ever, you know, like, oh, Mm -hmm. somebody got to do that. And that seems fun. And I knew that if I were going to transition to shooting products, I could create my own work to build a portfolio, which so from a business perspective, I'm like, oh, that's kind of that's a little bit strategic. I don't have to, you know, portraits, you need, 
I guess you can get your friends to do it for free, but to a certain extent, you need people to hire you in order to do the work for a lot of creative businesses. But I was kind of like, you know, I could play around with this and and see where it goes. So all of that to say, during that time, I'm still getting wedding inquiries and they're sitting in my inbox for way too long and I'm dragging my feet. And I knew at that point that I shouldn't be doing it anymore, but I just was afraid to say no to the money and the security of that business as it had been established. And one night I just kind of got up the the guts to do it, I guess. It really wasn't, there was no other catalyst to finally jump head first other than just kind of knowing that I can't just be in this like murky middle ground forever. So that from that point on that night, (laughs) I went into my office and pulled down eight years worth of work off of my website. And the next day I reached out to anyone I knew who sold a product online and might need images of it. And I said, you have no reason to hire me. (laughs) I have no, I'm sure this wasn't my actual pitch, but in my mind, it was, you have no reason to hire me. And I have, I cannot prove to you that I can do this, but would you be willing to let me photograph your products? And, you know, we would have done some kind of exchange or something. And they said yes. And it just worked out really well. And it wasn't until I started doing it and kind of was, was actively doing that first product photography shoot where I was like, this is my sweet spot. I could do this all day long, 24 hours a day for the next like three days and not even get tired of it. So from there, it all transitioned really quickly. But that transition in terms of in my mind and in my heart and on my calendar probably took about a year to fully happen. Yeah. So tell me what is going through your mind as you are pulling down your website of all of these years of hard work that you had built this business, but you're pulling it all down and you're saying, I'm starting over. What was going through your head? (laughs) I think it was probably everything that you can imagine, but equal parts relief you know, I, I th- that's really what I, when I think back, I've, I remember the relief, but I'm sure that it was also like 50%. What am I doing? Like, this is madness. But I think the relief won out because I, I had been dragging my feet so long that I knew it needed to happen. And it felt good to be able to just the next time I got an inquiry say, I'm so sorry. I actually, I actually don't do that anymore. Let me refer you on to a few photographers that I know can take care of you. That feels so much better than letting an an email sit in my inbox for two weeks while I hem and haw over how I'm going to say no, or should I say no? So I think uh, it was a mix of emotions, but the relief of finally getting up the guts to just do it um, was the emotion that prevailed for me. That's amazing. So what does your business look like now versus what it looked like then? Like how has it changed and what's like kind of a typical, almost like a typical workday or product that you create? So my work days, my work schedule has shifted a lot in the sense that I used to work some nights and weekends. I mean, you know, know, portrait work and wedding work is not regular office hours. Mm -hmm. So I had some regular office hours. And that's one thing that has stayed the same is I learned very quickly when I had my first child that I really needed to compartmentalize. I didn't do well if I just woke up and was going to be equal parts mom and business owner. I was a mess. I was a mess mentally. Um, My heart 
was pulled in two different directions. Anybody who has sat at a computer and tried to do anything of value with a two-year-old or three-year-old or under in their lap knows that it is a complete waste of time. It's just very hard to literally do those two things at once, be a parent and also work and and grow a business. And then it's also mentally very difficult to do and emotionally very difficult to do because your heart is is torn in two different directions. So I knew very early on that I needed to compartmentalize and I needed to have days where I showed up 100% as a mom and then I had a little slice of a few days where I could just show up 100% as a business owner for my clients and I could dive in deep and not feel bad and not feel guilty and not, you know, hear a child crying in the other room and be like, oh, let me just write this last email. I had to kind of eliminate that. And I was able to eliminate that through compartmentalizing work days versus mom days. So that has stayed the same. But obviously now I don't work nights or weekends unless I'm traveling for a shoot. So what I do now is I started the SC Stock Shop, which is a styled stock photography shop um, full of images that are kind of more so for building into your branding. I started that back in 2013. And then recently in the last year or so, we've expanded to build out a membership site where creative business owners, and I I guess it's not just creatives, but mostly female business owners can get images for social media uh, to support kind of the never ending need for social media imagery that we experience as business owners in the online space. So now what that translates to in terms of work hours is that I work about 16 hours a week, or over the past few years, it's been two days a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And one of those days is an office day, as I would call it, like at my computer, I'm answering emails, I'm interacting with clients, I'm taking care of the shop. And then the other day is my shoot day. So once a week, I'm doing sort of desktop work. And then the other day, I'm doing all of the shooting. And because those two businesses are pretty similar, it that has worked across both commercial work and stock photography work for the stock shop and creating imagery for social squares. And the only other thing I would say that really does, you know, I have to give credit where credit is due. I do have two employees that work for me now. One of them, Kelly, has been with me for about five or six years. She also works two days a week, the same Tuesday, Thursday. And then we have a customer service, a a newer customer service representative who represents both brands, and she works about 10 hours a week. So I had to kind of preface my 16 hours a week with the fact that I am not doing everything for my businesses. I have people in place who are taking care of areas that really are a good fit for them so that so that I can really focus on the best use of my time, which is the photography primarily, and then any kind of vision casting, any kind of client, those bigger client relationships, developing and keeping those. So in, in some senses, it does, it, it takes a little bit of a village <laughs> uh, to run two businesses in 16 hours a week, but it's doable. I mean, I'm proof, I guess, that it's doable. Oh, it totally is. And there's two things I want to say about that. One, we love your stock shop. We love your work. Jeff and I use your images on our website. We 
it's like, it's just so beautiful and it's perfect. And we don't have to figure out how to shoot these lay flats on our own. Yeah. We have your wonderful talent we can tap into. And so we absolutely love using stock shop images and social squares is amazing. So thank you. Just a little shameless plug for that because we think you're awesome. And well, that means especially a lot to me coming from a fellow photographer. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And then the second thing I want to say is that I have always admired your commitment to your work hours and your commitment to boundaries with that. You know, here's my work time and here is my family time. And it is really wonderful that you've been able to build a team to help you with that workload and to help you achieve your goals. With that, do you feel like you're able to get done what you want to get done in those hours? Or do you ever struggle with feeling like I am not getting to what I want to get to? I'm not moving my business (laughs) forward how I want to move it forward. I, you know, tell me about that. Oh, I almost never feel like I got everything done that I wanted to get done. That's actually also just the curse of who I am. I don't know if you get into the Enneagram at all, but I'm at Enneagram three, which is like just completely driven by productivity. And uh, somebody, I heard a podcast recently, somebody said the hardest thing to get an Enneagram three to do is to stop work at five because we just, we're just like a freight train. So it is really hard every single day, to be honest with you. It is really hard every single day. I almost, I have learned and it has gotten better. So now I've, I've owned a business for um, almost 14 years now. So it has gotten better in the sense that I know my limitations. So I know for a fact that there is probably only time for me to do two or three major things in a day. And to the extent that I submit to that reality, it is a good day. And I can leave the office and say, you know what, those were the three most important things and I did them and that's great. Beyond that, or if I just kind of am ignoring that and thinking that I'm superwoman, there is always, always, always more to do because I am trying to cram what someone else is doing in a 40-hour week into 16 hours. So what that means is that projects just take way longer than I want them to take. And that is just the reality. So um, I could give you 150 examples, but one example would be that we've been trying to redo my Shea Cochran website for, I think we put up the, whatever you call that page where they land on and it says like, we're not here, coming soon. Except in my case, it should say like coming in the next two years because it has, that's been up for like six months or so, maybe even longer. So The unfortunate reality is, and the thing that I have to just be okay with, is that any spark of ambition that I get, I I really have to be dedicated to carrying it out at a much slower pace than what I would like to and then what I see other people doing things at. And that's probably the harder thing for me is just I can get, if I'm not really keeping my eyes on my own page, then I can look around and say, everyone is flying past me. And look at how quickly they were able to execute that idea. But I know what I'd be sacrificing. I, I know what I'd be sacrificing. So, and that's what enables me to be okay with it. But that's still hard. I mean, the reality is at the at the end of most days, I'm like, oh, just forcing myself to come to a screeching halt. And I don't think it would work, meaning I don't think I would stop at five if my husband and I weren't both on the same page about it. So the only thing that really makes me 
shut off my computer and walk out of my office at five o'clock is that I also as an Enneagram three, I really care. I want to be who people want me to be. And because Graham and I have established these boundaries, he's a small business owner also. So he works from home as well. He's out there at five and he's in the kitchen and he's ready to dive in and family time. And I, I don't want to be at my computer. I don't want to look like a workaholic like sitting at my computer or like I can't step away. So I think that that pride is like partially what motivates me to get out of my office at five. If he were more inclined to just work endlessly or um, not cut off at five, I think I would just keep sitting at my laptop. I mean, I'd sit at my computer desk all night. I would keep going. There's always more to do. Uh, but being on the same page about that as a couple has just been really helpful at keeping it reined in. Creative Rising is brought to you by Freedom Edits, the people we trust when we outsource our editing. With Freedom Edits being based in the UK, Jeff tends to have a lot of questions when he talks to Jake, the co-founder. With Freedom Edits being based in Wales, which is part of the UK, my serious question is, when my images are edited, are they going to be edited in a British accent? Like, like, like when I get the images back, are they going to sound British or like look smarter or super cultured? Like, is that a service you guys offer? <laughs> yes, the, the British concierge service comes with a little bow tie, um, nice pair of brogues, you know, all shoe shined. <laughs> that, that, I don't know how to answer that question, I'll be honest. No, so, so, okay, so you have that where you, so you just like, you drop on a bow tie on people or like, like okay, so like if I wanted top hats on all my images, if I was like, this wedding is not classy enough, let's get top hats and everything. That you guys will do that. Yeah, do you need canes with that as well? Or just the top hat? <laughs> do I sound like a stupid American right now? <laughs> you sound like Jeff. <laughs> oh, I'll take that as a compliment. So, okay, what's your favorite thing about working with photographers as Jake from Freedom Edits? You know, my favorite thing working with photographers, I think... Is, it's got to be something that surprised me, actually. So we knew that this service could help people and it was going to just change people's lives. But I didn't realize quite to what extent. Like the stories that I hear and the conversations I have with people, whether I go to events or whether we speak on the phone or via email, they're just conversations of like serious things such as, you know, we've saved people's marriages. People were getting really frustrated um, by this spouse being at the desk all day from working on the images and you know, shooting 50 weddings and trying to provide for their family but still not being able to find the balance and spend that time with them. So to be able to just do things like saving marriages um, and being able to have people spend more time with their family, those are things that I didn't quite know how huge that would be for me. Freedom Edits, offering more than just top hats and brogues whatever those are. And this is really cool, my friends, because as a Creative Rising listener, you will get your first job edited for free with Freedom Edits. Learn more at creativerising.com forward slash freedom. That's creativerising.com forward slash freedom to get your first job edited for free with Freedom Edits. you kind of hit on a big pain point. I know for me, but I think I see this in other creatives as well, that fear of I'm going to be left behind. 
mm-hmm. or everyone else is doing all of the things <laughs> and they are being all of the things and they have all of the things. And it's sometimes this overt message, but other times it's really this subtle message where just a scroll through your Instagram feed will just implant that message into your brain. And what I love about you, Shay, is that someone could look at your Instagram feed, which I love, and I love that you're honest, and I love that you're real, and I love your heart on your Instagram feed. So if you're listening and you have not checked it out, you definitely need to, at Shay Cochran. But you, you know, you're honest about the fact that you only work certain hours. And so we see what a beautiful business you've built, and then we also see, oh my gosh, it's possible to do it without having your business run your life. Yeah. And that is really refreshing. And I think it's very encouraging for other people, especially for people like me who are more recently in the situation where I have way less hours to work in the day because of our son, who is currently eight months old. But that fear of I'm going to be left behind or someone else is doing it faster than me. Mm-hmm. Or what if this is my only chance to do this? You know, mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about what it means to slip into that fear mindset and to slip into that overwork because of that fear. When I think about it, I kind of think it falls into three different categories. I think we overwork out of fear. I think we overwork as a means of escape or distraction. And I think we overwork as a means of establishing our own validation or identity. So to kind of talk more about that first one, I think we can probably all come up with our own examples, but we fear loss of momentum. You know, oh, if I don't post to Instagram, is anyone going to remember that I'm here? You know, whether it's for a day or don't post for a week or or for a month or even, gosh, for a year. Can you even imagine? Which is so funny <laughs> that we can't imagine, right? I know. We live in a crazy. world where it's like, oh my gosh, that is insane. What, crazy. Like, what Everyone, is that? Yeah, I know. I think it's just, it's a millennial thing, I guess. I don't know. But I think fear of loss of momentum is a big one. Um, if I if I don't blog, you know, I said I was going to blog every single week. And so if I miss this blog post, I'm going to lose all the momentum that I've built. And that's just, I don't personally believe in that. I don't agree. Um, I think we fear that this is our only chance. I think that's especially relevant for those who are either unmarried or they're married without kids. I think that we think that life is going to end when we have kids. And so I'm in my prime now in my 20s or in my 30s. And this is my chance. This is my only chance to build something big. And that's just not true. Um, Or there's just very practical day-to-day fears. Like I have to say no to this client because I don't know if I'm going to get another chance or I don't know if I'm going to be able to book another wedding next month or I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to hit my number of weddings that I need to book for us to be financially stable this year. So there's just very practical fears. Like, is the money going to run out? Is there enough money? Is there going to be enough money? I think all of that really plays a part in the whole fear as driving um, just staying a little bit later or just working on the weekend or just opening up your laptop on a Saturday or just taking your laptop on vacation. Talk to me a little bit about the other two. So you said that one reason we slip into overwork is fear. And another reason is for distraction and escape. Talk to me a little bit about what that looks like for a creative entrepreneur. So that's probably the harder, you know, that's the heart one where it is easy to overwork or work more than you really want to, to avoid 
escape from or distract yourself from the negative things of life. So it is sometimes easier to just keep working on your laptop with your husband sitting on the couch watching TV than it is to dive in to a difficult marriage or a difficult season of marriage. It's easy to want to escape the difficulties of parenting by just hopping on your phone and opening up your email account real quick and checking through, you know, ticking off a few emails that feels productive, way more productive than parenting feels sometimes. It's easy to overwork to escape health issues, you know, to escape or distract yourself from dealing with things that are going on physically for you. I think it's easy to just escape or try to distract yourself from difficult relationships in general, whether those are friendships or again, you know, the marriage one is a big one, parenting one is another big one. Uh, It is easy or easier, I should say, to just open up email and get a few things done or go hide in your office than sometimes just going all in on those those difficult areas of life. So that's, you know, that's a tricky one because I don't think we tell ourselves, ugh, I don't want to deal with this necessarily, or I don't want to deal with having to come up with conversation with my husband when we're we're really having a hard time right now. We're really going through a difficult season. I don't think we tell ourselves, I want to go avoid this by going into my office or getting on my phone and and just doing a little bit of work. But I think it, it's just kind of a sneaky thing that happens that requires us to just be really honest with ourselves of, is there something I'm avoiding right now? Am I trying to escape something right now? Am I trying to distract myself from something right now? Mm -hmm, Definitely. And the third one that you talk about is that someone will slip into overwork because um, their business gives them validation Mm -hmm. or it becomes their identity. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah. So this is probably the one that I'm the most guilty of. It feels really good for me to work. I feel like I'm kind of in my element when I'm working. I'm the most comfortable in who I am when I'm just, you know, chugging along uh, with my businesses compared to, let's say, on a weekend. I lose all sense of who I am on the weekends. I literally will turn to my husband and be like, who am I? I don't know what to do. Because there's something about the work that I'm doing and that little punch of validation, whether it's validation through your clients or validation through your just your own self-validating, yes, I did something productive and that felt really good. There's something about that 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 is just really a challenge for me. I'd say that's that's kind of the one of those three that I fall into the most. And then, you know, the identity piece of that is is an interesting one because I was thinking about how our businesses um, we almost kind of transfer our person or our identity over to the business so that we think about caring for the business and we make the business look good and sound good. And when it has a problem, we fix it. And we kind of do so much investing into the business. And a lot of times for creatives, that's at the detriment of their own personal care, whether it's physical care or relational care or emotional care, spiritual care we will very easily neglect ourselves and our bodies, our relationships, all of those things, but care very well for or very intentionally for this business that we've built. And so it's hard when you say, you know, is your is your business your identity? I, I'm not sure whether people 
easily identify with that. But I think that if we look at, am I caring more for my business than I'm caring for myself? Am I investing more in my business than I'm investing myself? Then there's a good chance that you've kind of prioritized the identity of the business over your own, or you have kind of become that the business. So caring for your business feels like caring for yourself. So I think this happens in a lot of practical ways, or we see this in a lot of practical ways. Like, I just don't want to let anyone down, you know? So that's a validation. I want to be validated by them that I've taken care of their needs. I don't want my clients to be mad at me. So I'm going to I'm gonna adjust my life so that I can make sure that my clients aren't mad at me, that they're, I'm not letting them down. Or on the opposite side, I kick butt at this and I feel so awesome and I just want to do this more than I want to do anything else, especially when you're a parent of a young child. I mean, I, I know you know this. Mm-hmm. It does not feel very productive to be a mom of a six-month-old. Oh, you're running in circles. Oh, you're struggling to shower. And if somebody's like, what did you do today? It takes you about five minutes to even remember what, I don't know, what did I do today? And then you're, you have to scramble to come up with something that seems valuable to offer other than keeping a human alive which really should be value enough. You know, I know that should be the major, major <laughs> it thing. It really should be. Yeah. should be like, you know what? James is still alive and mm-hmm. I think he gained a pound. So we're okay. So we're know? doing good. Yes. We're doing good. But that, by the that, way, is the worst question you can ask a new mom. What did you do today? What did you do today? Oh my goodness. It's so, it's it's so true. The worst. And for me, I mean, I love owning a business. I always have. I almost, there was a point in time where I said, you could almost fill in the blank on what the business is. I just love owning a business. It's like playing Monopoly in real life. And photography was just like the fill in the blank. I don't know if I would still say that, but I loved owning a business so much. And I struggled becoming a mom because I wasn't someone who was just dreamed of having lots of kids. I knew that I wanted to have kids, but it just felt better, to be honest with you. Some days it just feels better to be a business owner than being a mom. What do you believe to be true about balance? What would you say to someone like myself who is in the beginning stages of being a mom and a business owner at the same time? Yeah, that is the million dollar question, isn't it? Like, what is what does balance look like? And is it possible? Is it achievable? When I think of balance, I think of all things being equal. You know, we think of a scale. I'm thinking of like the, you know, the old school scale where you've got two options and family is on one side and work is on the other side. And to have them be balanced, you're giving, it's both are taking equal currency. And the currency that is most valuable to me and I get probably to everyone to a certain extent is time. So if time is my currency, then balance, if we're going to go for this idea of balance, then we're giving everything equal time. And that's allowing you to have balance in your life. And that's not really how I think of it. I want to be giving my most valuable currency to the things that matter the most to me. So I approach it in that I want to choose the things that matter the most to me. And the way that I choose that is, um, I think one of the questions that's been the most helpful for me, I, th- I want to say it originated or the first time I heard it was from Laura Casey, but she talks about, you know, who do you want to be when you're 80 or what do you want life to look like when you're 80? And I think the element of that question that resonates with me is, what am I going to care about when I'm 80? Like what, or, or you know, forget 80, let's say 20 years from now, okay? What am I going to care about 20 years from now? What am I going to look back on and regret? And chances are, or at least for me, 
at the end of the day, I am not going to look back on life and wish that I had worked one more day of the week. I'm never going to say that. I don't think anyone is, is ever going to, in their, in their twilight years of life, going to look back and say, I really wish I'd worked more, or I really wish I'd answered that client email a little bit faster, or I, you know, I really wish I'd made an extra $3,000 a month, or, you know, fill in the blank. That question helps me and helped me initially to kind of say, what am I going to actually care about in 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now? And those things, the things that come to the surface for me are, is my marriage healthy? Do I have a good relationship with my children as the, the best I can, <laughs> um, as it is in my control? Um, it, have I taken care of my body? Do I have friendships? Like, am I involved in any kind of community? Am I serving any kind of community with my gifts? Those are the things that are going to matter to me. Did I run myself ragged? I just don't think I'm ever going to look back and say, you know, I really wish that I had launched one more thing and made an un- another hundred thousand dollars. Even though $100,000 is a lot of money, I just don't think we're ever going to look back and say, I really wish I'd done that. So that question helps me to decide what I really care about and what are the things that I really want to invest my most valuable currency in. And then I invest my currency there. So I work two days a week compare, and I have five other days of the week to be a mom and a wife and um, a friend and a member of the community and that kind of thing. I have five other days to do that. So there really is very little balance in that regard. I have just chosen the things that I really care about so that everything kind of has its place. I do care about my business and I do want it to do well. And I do think that it serves a greater good. And I think that there's so much value to having a business, but it falls in in a long line of things that I really care about. So to me, balance is everything in its place in terms of its priority and the amount of time resource that I'm giving to each of those things. So when everything is kind of getting a proper allotment of time, physical time and then mental time, because we know, you know, your brain doesn't just cut off at five o'clock. So I have to keep, I have to rein that in as well. But to me, balance is just everything falling in, in line in order of priority and then getting the time investment time currency investment in order of priority. So kind of a wonky view of balance, but Mm -hmm. I think that's that kind of is how I look at it. I love that. I think I've heard the image of a ship before, and that kind of reminds me of the analogy using with the scale, how it kind of goes from one side to the other. And, you know, a ship still Mm -hmm. stays afloat, but it's kind of going back and forth and back and forth. And so it's just kind of this feeling of like, okay, where am I spending my most valuable time? I love that idea of currency. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Shay, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your amazing wisdom with all of our listeners out there. I've always admired your vulnerability, your authenticity. You've always seemed like a very honest heart in my life, and I've always really appreciated that. So thank you for for who you are. You're just wonderful. Oh, thanks. That really means a lot to me. I respect you so much. And so that just carries a lot of weight. And also, I mean, you're giving me the chance to talk about what I love. So this these conversations are just so valuable to me. So I feel just super grateful that you even gave me the chance to 
to sit down and talk through this with you. Likewise. I think these are the kind of conversations that really are so important to have as uh, as business owners because it can be a very lonely place. Yeah. But when there are wonderful people like you out there speaking truth into the world, and um, again, I when I see your words come up on Instagram or social media or your lovely sweet face and your girls, it always makes my heart so happy, which is so refreshing when it comes to social media. So thank you for that. Oh, shucks. So tell me a little bit about how people can hear more from you, where they can go to find out more, where they can get your lovely stock shop images. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Okay. So, well, like I said, my website's not done yet. So don't go to shaycocker.com. <laughs> that, you know, maybe in two years, check back in there. But uh, you can find the stock, all of the stock, you can find at www.scstockshop, S T O C K S H O P, stockshop.com. And that's where the SC Stock Shop lives. And from there, you can also get on to Social Squares, which is the, the membership based shop for social media images. So that's called Social Squares. You can also find that at socialsquares.com, but you can find all of that through the SC Stock Shop. And then I suppose if you want to be friends, come find me on Instagram. You mentioned it before, but you can find me on Instagram at at Shay Cochran. And I, yeah, I try to share a little bit about, I'm not on there a whole lot, but when I'm on there, I try to show up in meaningful ways as best I can, talking about life and work and quote unquote balance and all of the above. So that's where you can come hang out. Okay, perfect. And also you're offering some freebies to our audience. So we're going to be getting you guys some free styled stock, which is just amazing. So you can get a little bit of a taste of the goodness of the stock shop. And so go to creativerising.com slash 104. This is season one, episode four, and you'll be able to get those style stock there for free and we'll get you guys hooked up. So thank you so much for sharing those with our audience. You are amazing. Absolutely. I love doing it. All right. Thank you so much, Shay. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And thank you again for joining us here on Creative Rising. Thank you. 